Hey everyone, you're listening to the Her Head and Films podcast. I'm the creator and the host of the podcast. My name is Caitlin. If you're wondering about the title, Her Head and Films, I'll just give you a brief background for those of you who may be listening for the first time. A few years ago, I wrote an email to a friend, and at the time I was very obsessed with film and cinema, and I I'm always obsessed with films, but I go through periods where it's a bit more intense. And I think at the end of the email I said something like, My head isn't in the clouds, my head is in films. And it became sort of an inside joke uh, between the two of us. And recently, within the last few months, I got to thinking that I wanted to start a film podcast because I love films and I... I like talking about them and I don't have people to talk to about films and so I got to thinking about that email and I thought it was an interesting title so my head isn't in the clouds my head is in films and it probably always will be. For today's episode I wanted to talk about how I got interested in cinema and film. I talked a little bit about that in the introductory episode of this podcast, but I wanted to go a bit deeper into it. Um, It's a hard time of year for me. I was actually going to end the year on the previous podcast, uh, or the previous episode, where I talked about my favorite films of the year. But I decided that I wanted to do another episode before the end of 2016. Um the previous episode was going to be the last one for the year. But I decided that with the holidays, I'm recording this on December 20th, so it's five days before Christmas 2016. Um, The holidays are difficult for me. Um, Many of you listening may not know my story, so I'm going to go a little bit into my story, why the holidays are hard. And then, just to comfort myself, I'm going to talk about films. I'm going to talk about how I became passionate about cinema. And it's an important part of my life. And it's nice to remember the good times in your life. Sorry. Oh, God. Okay. Sorry. (laughs) Um, It's just really nice memories for me. And... And so I want to talk about it. Um, mainly what I've been doing the last few years is I have a grief blog. I have a blog where I write about uh, grief and loss and mourning. And it's called Ekphora. Um, E-K-P-H-O-R-A. Um, I've been blogging on it since 2012. It's sort of my main purpose in life and my main mission in life is to write about grief, to write about loss, and to write about my pain. Um, um, So the holidays are difficult for me because in 2006, when I was 16 years old, uh, oh 
God. I'm sorry. I'm not starting over. <laughs> um, my father died. It's still hard for me to say that. Put that into words. I mean, my whole life has been about trying to put that one trauma into words. Like, how do you put that thing, that horror into language? I've been trying to do that for 10 years, and it probably will take me a lifetime. My father died, and it was basically the end of my life. The end came very soon for me in life. What was it Dara said? She said something like, very early in my life, it was already over, or something like that. I wish I could find that quote. And um, that was true for me. Um, when you're 16 years old, you're so unformed. You're so incomplete in many ways. You're still, you're still um, finding yourself, I guess. But you're very unstable at that age, I think. And um, my father, I, I almost feel like father isn't like the right word. Like he was my father, of course. But our connection and our relationship was not that of parent and child. It was more like friend. It was a true friendship that we had. Um, you know, he loved music and we would, uh, he would share music with me and we would watch TV together and we would talk and we would go to the park and he was a true friend. I didn't have a lot of friends. I still don't. When I was a teenager, I was very serious and very intellectual. I grew up in a small town in North Carolina. And, um... I was different. You know, I was watching PBS and listening to NPR. And I loved Virginia Woolf and Sylvia Plath. And foreign films. And, um... I was I was different and I I had a lot of trouble connecting with people and um my dad had health problems they started when I was about 13 he had health issues and then by the time I was 16 he was dead so I like to say that I really didn't have a a, a normal childhood I didn't have a normal teenage experience I think it's why I'm so nostalgic for the 90s. Like, my life was really good in the 90s. Like, up until the age of 12 or 13, I was really happy. I was the only child, very close to my parents. And everything was good until he got sick, and then when he died three years later in 2006. And it was like I felt whole. <laughs> I felt whole for a little while and happy, like, like I understood what happiness was. <laughs> Having my father. <laughs> and then he was gone. He was gone and he suffered a lot.
he basically watched as his body betrayed him. You know? And we were poor. And he didn't really he didn't have a lot of access to medical care and stuff. I don't want to get into all of that, but we struggled a lot with money and you know, poverty and stuff. It was hard. I just think God, he was so special. He was a really, really kind person, and um, he gave his love unconditionally. Like the love that I felt from him and my mother um, was unconditional. Absolutely, he he adored me, and I adored him. And him and my mom were really the only people that ever truly loved me. And uh, so it's like I lost him and I lost that love, you know, and I lost that stability and I lost, you know, my friend and the person that I just loved so much. You never, you never come back from that. He never recovered, and so for ten years <laughs> I've been crawling every single day because I don't know how to get out of it. It's so incredibly painful, and so I miss him profoundly. Like my body just aches, <laughs> and like I just feel it. And it's 10 years and I'm still just a mess about it. So the holidays are really hard right now. Like, yeah, really, really hard for me. I think about his last Christmas because I remember it. And um, I didn't know. I didn't know it would be the last. And that's hard. You don't know, do you? You don't know. And then my grandmother died in 2007, a year later, my mother's mother. And then in 2009, my uncle died, my mother's brother. So my mom, um, she lost her, so within three years, my mom lost her husband, her mother, and her brother. So needless to say, it's a really difficult time for us right now, the holidays. And I blog about grief, you know, but it's like, what do you really say? But part of my project on my blog, on Ekfora, is that I explore art that's made out of grief. And that includes films. I do um, write about films that are about grief. And so, at this time in my life, uh, this holiday season... I feel a lot of pain. As you can tell. <laughs> um, it's always on it's always at the surface, you know. I'm I'm always on the verge of tears most of the time. So, um right now I'm obsessed with films. Like to take I think to just take my mind off of it. 
um, to not have to really uh, like feel it all the time because you can't survive if you feel the intensity of it constantly. I mean, I already, <laughs> I already have serious mental illness and physical issues because of all the grief and the pain, and so I have to do things that help me survive and that help me get through each day. And part of that for me is films and a cinema. And so I wanted to talk about. Um, I wanted to talk about how I how I got so interested in films and so the way I did was in high school um, it was before my father died so and I don't think it was freshman year so it had to be and was it it had to be either my sophomore or junior year of high school and um I had this really amazing teacher. I don't know how I got so lucky with teachers in my little town in North Carolina, but I did. And um, teachers really made all the difference for me because I was someone that was really, um, I was curious and I just love knowledge. Like I love learning. I love being open to the world and to other cultures. And I like learning about history. And, um, so I loved school. I really did because I got to learn every day. And I loved learning. And I had this really, I just, on a fluke, I took this course. It was called Film Appreciation. It was probably like an elective or something in high school, you know. And, um, I met this amazing, amazing woman. <laughs> and her name was Miss Ray. And she was such a great teacher and she was teaching the film appreciation class and she um, structured it like a college course really there was no multiple choice there was no scantrons where you had to bubble in a b c d she had open-ended uh, tests and um, quizzes where you had to supply the answer and there were essay questions and things like that and it was it was sort of conducted in a seminar way you know where people talked and um, you were expected to participate which was hard for me I, I'm not good at speaking publicly and I never have been um, I really hate talking in a classroom <laughs> uh, because my anxiety is just so terrible but um I just loved her like she was very liberal she was very like a leftist um, and she encouraged us to think critically and of course this is during the Bush years um, when George W. Bush was uh, was in office so it was probably like maybe 2005 2004 when I was taking this class and um, I loved how she encouraged us to think for ourselves and um, she was just so interesting you know the way she talked and like I don't even know how to describe it I loved that class we would meet in the theater um, and she would she I guess she had installed it or maybe it was just installed in the theater 
Um, so we would sit in the audience seats. It wasn't a big class. It was maybe a dozen people, maybe a little bit more. And then she had this screen that would come down and she would project the films on them. I guess from like a some kind of digital projector or something like that. And so we would sit in the audience part and she would um she would be around the stage area when she was uh when she was teaching, when she was talking. And um like we learned about the birth of film. Well, I'll get into that in a minute. So that was the setup. So we're in this theater and it's kind of dark. Even when she's just talking, it's kind of dark. Um, and of course the lights were turned out when we were watching the movies. And, um, and so that was the setup. So we were in the theater. So that was in and of itself sort of magical. Like, you know, um, God, I'm crying again, y'all. It was the first time when, like, the magic of cinema came over me. Like, to sit in a darkened room and to see these images projected and, like, the solace that gave me and the the sense of like magic and transcendence that I felt up in, up until that point of course I've gone to the movies you know when I was a kid my grandma would uh um would take us to the movies when I was a kid I would see all the kids movies and the Disney movies and um yeah I you know I enjoyed going to a movie theater just like anybody else but it was it was like a form of entertainment, you know what I mean? It was just something like, oh, you know, well, this is fun, you know. It wasn't until that class that I realized that film could be an art. That film could be something more than just, oh, well, I'm going to go laugh or I'm going to go, you know, watch The Lion King, you know, or something like that. I started to, to see that... um it could make you feel something. It could move you. Um, it could affect society. It could affect people. Um, I saw the power of cinema in a different way, in the art form of cinema. And so, each day, I don't know if we met every day. High school, so long ago now, huh? I mean, next year it'll be... I guess 10 years since I graduated because I graduated in 2007 um, we, we might have met every other day or maybe we met every day and we would watch films we watched The Wizard of Oz which I really I really loved we watched Some Like It Hot and I was already in love with Marilyn Monroe by then I was a big Marilyn Monroe um, fan and I still collect things with Marilyn Monroe on it but I hadn't seen some like it hot. I think I had seen like the Seven Year Itch and some other films of hers. And oh God, I still watch every time some like it hot is on TCM. I'm watching it because I fell in love with that film in that class. Um, I just thought Marilyn looked so radiant, but very sad, and melancholy, and it just thought it was hilarious. It, I really started to get into Billy Wilder. And I do enjoy his films a great deal.
and that class was sort of the beginning for that. Um, we watched Gentleman's Agreement, which is a Gregory Peck film about anti-Semitism, if I remember correctly. I think we did talk about uh, the blacklist that happened and the McCarthy era when um, the different, you know, writers and actors. Um, did we watch The Misfits? I don't know if we watched The Misfits, though. But we did watch some Like It Hot. And as I said, we watched The Wizard of Oz. And... We watched Gone with the Wind, which personally I didn't care for that much. Um, especially sort of the stereotypical black characters. I don't know. I, I don't get the big hoopla about that film personally. I don't really like anything that's about like the Civil War or anything that's trying to romanticize that era or anything. Um, what else did we watch? I'm trying to think. Watch some like a hot, The Wizard of Oz, Gone with the Wind, Gentleman's Agreement. My mind's gone blank. Yeah. We watched a lot of the old Hollywood films. We didn't watch any foreign films in that class. Um, trying to think of some of the classics we would have watched. Oh, I hate how my memory is just terrible these days. I'll probably think of all of them later. <laughs> I'm not sure now. Hmm. Oh, I know. We watched some of the early silent films. Um, like Georges Méliès, like uh, the one about the moon. And we watched like just some of those early short films like the one um the one where the man and woman kiss and it was the first kiss captured on camera and um oh we watched Charlie Chaplin oh how could I forget Charlie we watched The Great Dictator I remember watching that and I still love that movie to this day I don't care what anyone says I love Charlie Chaplin I'm I just love him Ugh. and we watched the biopic about him uh, I think it's called Chaplin with Robert Downey Jr. Yeah, we did. We watched that. We watched that biopic about Chaplin. Because, you know, Chaplin was there at the beginning of the movies. And then, you know, he transitions into sound even. And, um... I, I just... I love his films. I really do. So that sort of got me into Chaplin. But I need to watch more Buster Keaton. I'm sure we probably talked about Keaton. But I've just always been more of a Chaplin person. 
Um, I mean, I was always impressed that The Great Dictator was made during World War II. I mean, you're talking about a piece of work that is incredibly vital and satiric and so on point. I mean, that I still remember watching that final, uh, that final speech that he gave, and even to this day, I go and rewatch that speech. How it's about believing in human beings and and in us holding on to our humanity and not becoming machines, not coming automatons, you know, in the service of totalitarianism. And it feels very, uh, even to this day, it feels very timely and relevant, especially with what's happened in the U.S. with the election of Donald Trump. So I think that's probably a speech that all of us should be listening to a little bit more. Um, so I really, I, like, the thing about that class is that I fell in love with people that I still love, you know. I love Billy Wilder, I love Charlie Chaplin, and, um, I just, oh, we watched some film noir. We watched The Maltese Falcon, we watched Casablanca, we watched, um, Double Indemnity. I still love all those films, um. Especially Casablanca. Oh my gosh. I think that might have been the first time I saw Casablanca. Oh god. Oh, we watched Notorious. And we watched Vertigo. And we watched Psycho. Oh my god. <laughs> oh god. We did. Now, of course, I didn't have the appreciation for Vertigo that I do now. I loved Psycho. Oh my god. It's still one of the creepiest films, right? I fell in love with Hitchcock in that class. Um, I was really lucky to see Hitchcock Truffaut this this year, and um, I really liked that. Oh, we watched A Streetcar Named Desire. Yeah, I'm pretty sure we did. We watched a little bit of Elia Kazan, didn't we? I think he did Gentleman's Agreement. But all oh, the film noir. I fell in love with with Barbara Stanwyck and Humphrey Bogart and I remember Miss Ray talking about how Bogart was considered like one of the biggest uh, Hollywood celebrities. Um, I still watch Double Indemnity when it's on and um, I don't think I've seen the Maltese Falcon since. Um, Oh, Casablanca, though. I got to see Ingrid Bergman in her own words this year, too, and I totally loved that film. And I talk about it in my favorite films of the year. Ingrid Bergman. Oh, in Notorious. And in in um, Casablanca. Like, she's just so radiant. Like, she's just full of light. And um, I think I definitely fell in love with her during that class. And we saw Citizen Kane. We did see Citizen Kane. And we learned about Orson Welles and what a revolutionary film that was with the different techniques. And um, how important the film was. And of course, for at that time, it had been voted the number one film. Of course, since then, I think Vertigo um, has usurped it and has been considered the number one film but I personally 
I would still go with Citizen Kane, and I do love that film, and, um, there's just, it's, it's about power, it's about how power corrupts, um, I, I like I like Citizen Kane a great deal. I haven't seen it in many years. And what's funny is that at that time, I mean, you're talking about like 2005, probably 2004. So this is before the internet for me. You know, I was um, we had no money for a computer, and we certainly didn't have money for an internet bill at our home. So I was only able to access the computer when I went to a library, or when I was at school. Um, so you weren't streaming things online or anything like that. If you wanted to see a film, you had to either, you know, rent it. I mean, I think, I think Blockbuster was around at that time. So I did get some films at Blockbuster. They used to, um, they used to have these specials where you could get four DVDs for $20. And so, um, sometimes I would, you know, for, for Christmas or for my birthday, you know, I would go there and I would get some DVDs. Um, where was I going with this? Yeah, what I used to do, I'm crazy, but um, I used to buy VHS tapes at uh, like Walmart. I used to buy them. They were pretty cheap, I think. You could get like a pack of maybe four or five for a certain amount. And um, you'd get like these little stickers so that you could label what you were recording. So I had a VCR um, in my room. I had a TV and I had a VCR. And what I would do is I would, I think I would go online or maybe I would see it in the, the paper. Um, yeah, I think I would just use our newspaper. And I would look at the TV guide in the newspaper of for Turner Classic Movies for TCM. And um, I would see like what films were going to be showing, and I would record them. I would like record these different films. So, if I think I recorded like Psycho and Citizen Kane, and because I wanted to have a copy of them, you see, and I wanted to be able to watch them again. And I would also record Holocaust things. I was very, uh, still am, uh, very interested in the Holocaust, and I read a lot about it and. Um, I would record uh, documentaries about the Holocaust from television so that I could watch them back and, you know, things like that. But I would also record a lot of films off Turner Classic Movies um, so that I would have copies of them because I had no other way of watching these films, you know. And um, I wanted to have some kind of uh, ability to rewatch them in the future if I wanted to. And so I think I think that class sort of started me doing that, that I would start recording things off TV. Um, and I would start uh, getting more interested in old films. And I just fell in love with old Hollywood films. And at night, um, I would turn the TV on and, um, and I would put it on Turner Classic Movies with Robert Osborne. You know, Robert Osborne would introduce a film at like 8 o'clock. Um, you know, and on and on Saturdays, I don't know if they were doing it back then. Uh, they would have like a, like a celebrity or something that would pick a film. It was called The Essentials, you know, The Essentials. And um, I sort of started to discover film that way as well. But that class was the seed, right? You know, the, the that class was planted the seed. 
and then I just sort of started to educate myself basically through Turner Classic Movies and um so at night I would I would turn on the TV and I would just leave it on I would leave it on a black and white film and I would go to sleep with the sound of the black and white film in the background and that comforted me sometimes I'd go to bed with the radio playing too like NPR um but a lot of times I would just let the black and white film play and um I would sort of be lulled to sleep by you know old Hollywood films <laughs> and so I still love old Hollywood films so I still watch Billy Wilder and Alfred Hitchcock and um anything I can and I just it's amazing to think that I watched all those films in that class that we watched Psycho and Vertigo and Citizen Kane and The Wizard of Oz and some like it hot and like wow how lucky was I how fortunate was I like to find these films and I've never been the same like that class absolutely transformed me I mean it just it absolutely changed me and I just fell in love with films I fell in love with like sitting in in a darkened room and and seeing these images projected it's light I mean that's what cinema is it's light and for me it was it was a light in the dark right like it was salvation and it you know it changed my life that class absolutely changed my life I've never been the same and I've been in love with films ever since and I I use that as the seed like that is the seed that planted everything now of course a few years later I was watching Turner classic movies and Robert Osborne introduced the passion of Joan of Arc by Carl Theodore Dreyer with Maria Falconetti and that absolutely was another major moment in my life when I s discovered foreign cinema when I started because up till then I was watching more of the old Hollywood stuff and the old black and white films I wasn't aware of Ingmar Bergman um, you know what I mean or Truffaut or um, Louis Malle or um, Kishlovsky and you know all these foreign or Bresson or yeah Renoir Vigo you know I, I didn't know about these people yet and so I didn't know about Carl Theodore Dreyer either so I saw the passion of Joan of Arc and that is still a landmark event in my life I was I think I cried when I watched that film it was a silent film as I'm sure most of you know and it's about Joan of Arc and I had never seen anything like it you know I was I was like Anna Karina in Viva Savi you know in Godard's film I was crying <laughs> I was I was like I remember it so clearly I was in the living room you know I think by then my father had been dead a few years and I saw this film and I just wept and I had, I was just so moved by it and that started the interest in foreign films and so I got more interested in foreign films um, as a result of that and then a few years later you know when I'm finally on the internet because I didn't get on the internet until 2010 
that was the first time I was able to like afford a computer and you know and have access to the internet and um that's when and then I think like maybe in 2011 is when I got really really serious into like art house cinema and I saw Chris Marker's La Jetée and um, that was a big 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 moment for me seeing La Jetée and a big moment was seeing The Double Life of Veronique by Kishlovsky. Um so those films were pivotal in me getting much much more interested in the foreign cinema in Ingmar Bergman and Robert Bresson and Roberto Rossellini and Michelangelo Antonioni I still don't know how to say his name I feel like I'm not saying that right and um, uh, Agnes Varda and Chantal Ackerman and, um, so the list goes on but everything started with that class in high school right like it's crazy it's like what if I hadn't taken that class I would be a totally different person I wouldn't have I wouldn't have movies <laughs> like what would I do without movies I really I can't imagine my life without film just like I can't imagine it without books without art without music without poetry I can't imagine my life without the cinema um, it all started in that theater in the darkness and seeing those films projected and and now you know I sit in my room in the dark and images are, are come up on my laptop computer and it's the same feeling it's the same feeling of connection and magic and um and um wonder and awe and uh, emotion uh, it's all still there it's like it's like I'll always be that teenage girl <laughs> looking at those films for the first time like I get a little giddy just thinking about it which is why I wanted to do this podcast because I wanted to take my mind off of all the pain of the holiday season and I wanted to remember that passion I wanted to remember that discovery because it, it was truly a discovery for me you know I'm never gonna make films myself I'm never gonna write a film I'm never gonna be in the film industry I'm I'm just some little person with like this little podcast that a few of you listen to and but I just I wanted to share that like I wanted to talk about my life and that moment in my life and how like how it's this bridge or this connection to who I was like when I watch some like it hot when I watch Casablanca when I watch Double Indemnity I remember myself as that teenage girl I remember myself before I lost everything before my father was gone because I had that class while he was still alive I probably I probably came home and talked to him about it and told him about this amazing class <laughs> I actually remember that I actually remember talking to him about that class and about that teacher and saying how much I loved it and he bought me films 
Um, he would buy me DVDs of different films that I was interested in. Because he cared about me and he loved me. And, um, I just love remembering that. Like, I love remembering who I was before my life fell apart, you know? When I could just be... I could just be that girl in the dark watching movies with her whole life ahead of her who didn't know who didn't know what was coming she didn't know did she I don't want her to know I'd like to be her again I'd like to not know I'd like to not know that loss or that death or that pain. And I think about like what I've become and how just broken and and debilitated I am. How I struggle so much to just cope, to just be, to survive. And, um, it's nice to think of me as something else. To think of me as that girl who still had a chance. <laughs> Who could just sit in the dark and watch movies and life wasn't perfect, but she was, she was whole and she was okay. And she, and she deserved more and she deserved better. And I hold on to her. And I remember her and I, I want to keep her alive inside of myself, that girl. There's just something so beautiful about that time in my life. When I discovered when I discovered those films and I discovered this other part of myself that I didn't even know was there, you know, if, if I hadn't, if I hadn't taken that class, I, I never would have made contact with that part of me. I never would have uh, been awakened the way I was to the power and the beauty and the artistry of cinema. And now in the aftermath of what I have lost and what I have been through, I have turned to cinema and to films to to help me live and to help me survive and to make it through each day and to remember 
that there is beauty in life and there is hope at times. I don't always feel it. You know, um, I guess for some people films are are sort of an intellectual thing and, and they watch films and they write about them really well and they have all these theories and they, you know, they're in the academy and they teach and they're professors and they're very smart and and they just write so well about films and for me it's films are very emotional because of the time when I found them as a teenage girl really on the precipice of heartache and the abyss um, and they have been a constant companion for me over the years after my father died I would go to the movies I was really lucky that I had um, a movie theater near me um, that was it was like a dollar to get in the concessions were more expensive of course but um it was like a dollar a dollar and a half to get in and me and my mom would go there and we would watch films and I still have the ticket stubs and um I would go and see foreign films because they actually showed them at this theater I can't believe it like it seems like a dream now um, the particular manager the woman that was managing the theater she would I think they had like eight films and one or two sometimes would be foreign films I got to see Pan's Labyrinth I got to see The Lives of Others those are two foreign films that I remember um, <coughs> I love both those films to this day <laughs> so I turned to films after he died um, and I saw solace and I saw comfort in them and um, they helped me stay alive along with poetry and literature and music and art and and writing writing kept me alive I would write and write and write I have I have dozens and dozens of journals I'd go through a journal a month um, I would just wrote and wrote most of its crap <laughs> But it was an exorc an exorcism of my pain. Um, and I would just write and write and I would watch movies and I would read books and or really at times I had trouble reading. Sometimes I would my mind has been affected by everything that I've been through by the loss and the poverty and the stress and the anxiety and the depression and the I feel like slowly I've just been sort of whittled away <laughs> like there's nothing left of me or there's a very little bit left of me um, after everything that I've been through and and so sometimes I couldn't even read like I was so destroyed I couldn't even read and so I would watch films because that was just easier for me to process and I go through periods like that even now when I can't focus I can't concentrate on a book I can't make sense of words um, and so I'll watch films because they make more sense to me or the narrative works better for me and 
So these are literally things that keep me alive, that make me feel alive. And that's the only way I can ever talk about films. Like, I can't, I can't be overly intellectual about them and I can't offer that, you know. Um, I can offer feelings and emotions and it'll always be very personal for me and it's always very visceral and I relate to films on the level of like my gut and my instinct and my heart and that's just it's because of that class <laughs> like you just fall so deeply in love with something and it just takes you over but I feel so fortunate that I that I had films and that I still have them and I just don't know what I'd be. I don't know where I'd be. You know? I, I really, really don't. I'm so grateful for that class. <laughs> like, I could cry, and I've already cried a lot during this podcast. <laughs> which I didn't expect, but there's also so much joy in me right now. Just thinking about that time in my life. Thinking about that class. Like, uh, I'm... Uh, it makes me happy. <laughs> It makes me so happy <laughs> to think about it. I'm so glad I have those memories. I'm so, so glad. I'm so grateful. So grateful. That, that class just, wow, made me who I am. Gave me, it gave me joy and happiness and just so happy about it I love thinking about it but it makes me sad too because it's it's just a memory now but I still have those films I can still watch them I can still you know fall in love with them over and over again and isn't that such a beautiful thing about cinema you could keep watching these films and every time you watch the film it's it's a new film it's uh you bring something new to it and you're different each time you watch it because of the experiences you go through. You know, a film like I watched La Ventura in 2011, and then I rewatched La Ventura this year, and my reaction to that film was totally different because five years have gone by, and a lot's happened in those five years, and I'm a different person <laughs> than I was in 2011. And so we're just. I just find that cinema continually renews me and reinvigorates me and repairs me and just saves me in so many ways. It's it's like a religion in a way. I think Sylvia Plath has some kind of passage in her journals where she talks about the movie theater as a place of of um like a church or like a sacred place that it's become like a modern religion in a way I, I, I could be remembering wrong but I do remember a passage about a movie theater and I think she connected it to religion or sanctity or something and yeah it can be it can be a very sacred place for some of us and I don't I don't take cinema lightly and it's it's so central to my life at this point and um I don't even want to imagine my life without cinema, so. Well, I think I've gone on long enough. <laughs> Thank you to those who listened, and it's been really nice to remember um, 
to remember uh, these things and to think about my life and to think about that one class in high school when I was, you know, 14 or 15 years old and and um, when I discovered the thing that now gives me life every day and that keeps me alive and keeps me, gives me comfort and gives me solace and makes me very happy and gives me a reason to live and you know so I, I feel very fortunate that I had that and I'm sure many of you have similar stories or similar memories or similar emotions about cinema and I'm glad that we can share that with each other so I really do thank you for listening and to this podcast and I know it got very personal but that's okay it's okay to cry it's okay to get personal it's okay to to feel things and to struggle and to be honest about what you're feeling and what you're going through and I mean that's that's what keeps you going is to be able to share your experiences and your story so I'm not ashamed that I cried or anything during this podcast. I just didn't expect it. But um, I get emotional about the past and about things in my life. So thank you for listening. And um, I wish all of you happy holidays. And I hope it's a nice holiday season for all of you. No matter you know what you're celebrating or, or if you're celebrating at all. So, and I wish y'all a happy new year too if I don't do another episode before the new year. I I know 2017's going to be difficult for all of us. And I know 2016 has been very painful and very heartbreaking. Um, but 2017 is where it's going to get very real and very hard. And um, I'm glad that we could connect in some small way in this crazy, chaotic, painful world. Um, so I wish all of you the best, okay? Goodbye.